Welcome to New Freedom Church. Our mission is to be real people walking and experiencing real freedom. If you're new with us, please like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get new content immediately when it's released. And we want to thank those of you who have shared our videos because it helps us to reach even more people with the life-changing message that there is a Savior who loves you and wants real, genuine freedom for you. And if you haven't done so already, go to newfc.org. Go to the Connect tab and share with us how we can best connect with you and your family to serve your needs. Well, good morning. My name is Joe. I serve as lead pastor here at New Freedom. And uh, so grateful today that you have the privilege to join us for not just a brand new series, but today we launched 21 Days of Prayer right here in our local assembly. And hopefully, uh, for those of you who are watching us online, you will join with us over the next 21 days and pray. Uh, right now, I just, I just really feel like we need to open up with a prayer. We just need to, to uh, seek heaven and see what God would have for us. So if you would do this with me, if you just reach your hands this way, even those of you watching us online, just go ahead and reach your hands to that screen. Those of you joining us in person, we're just going to join and agree for these next 21 days. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for all that you have re revealed to us in your word about prayer. And today we embark upon a journey, 21 days of consecration of our hearts and lives to you. We pray, God, this day that you would have your way in us, that you would have your way in our land. We call unto our Father in heaven, whose name is holy, and we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. God, this is our prayer, that you would be magnified, that you would be glorified, that you would have your divine plan and purpose fulfilled in our lives and in this world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. 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 Well, uh, today, this series, Kingdom, we're going to be talking for the next few weeks about praying like Jesus. And I can say without a doubt that this is a series that has been in the making for a couple of years. This is something that I have been taking some notes on my phone. And when I went back to prepare uh, for this week and for next week, I had to, to pull out some of those notes that I had put in there from, from long ago on just some thoughts that I had about the kingdom of God. Uh, you see, the reason that this has been in the making for years is that all of my early Christian walk, all of my uh, formidable growing up years, I can experience, uh, remember this experience of being focused on the great promise. Now, here's the great promise, that someday the kingdom of God would come in such a way that Jesus would be in charge and that we would live eternally with him as ruler and king over his kingdom. And I, I, I just, I had this, this teaching that was reinforced time and again, and it just would well up in us, and it would be all throughout our hymns and all throughout our songs. And while all of that is very, very true, it also is partially complete. It is somewhat incomplete, because here's what I mean. The ancient hope of God's people, Israel, the time that God walked with them in, in the wilderness and then as they were exiled out of, the, promise, out of uh, uh, the land and they came into the land of promise, their entire anticipation was for the restoration of the kingdom of God. This was what they were hoping for. It was the hope of the prophets of old and it was the message of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. It was initiated, this kingdom that we're talking about, was initiated by Jesus when he first came or his, his uh, 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 entry into this world. 
And then it was uh, perpetuated and still going on through the experience of the Holy Spirit when Jesus said, I I leave this world, but I don't leave you comfortless. I will send another helper, the Holy Spirit. And so we see the kingdom of God being perpetuated through the Spirit, but it will finally and ultimately be completed at his return. And so I find myself in these, these days we live, and I look around the world and turn on the news, and you can just really get heavy hearted about everything that you see. You can really start to even enter into a despair and, and almost uh, wonder, God, when are you just going to bring everything to completion? God, when are you going to come back and make everything whole again? And I, I find myself looking for that final consummation of his kingdom. And I, I find myself really going into that, that mindset of, God, just come and make your rule known on this earth. And I think that that is a a good expectant hope. But for the next few weeks, what I want really for us to focus on is how is the kingdom of God being manifest in the here and now, in our day right here and right now? Because this is not only a past revelation, a current revelation, it is also a future revelation as spoken by Jesus in the book of Revelation 1.8. Here are the words of Christ. He says this, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and and the end, says the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. So there is a past fulfillment of the kingdom of God at his uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, at his, his first coming to this earth. There is a continuation. He is, he is the one that is continuing through his spirit, but then the one who is to come. And so for these next few days, uh, I want us to be thinking about prayer in 21 days, But for the next few weeks, I want us to be thinking about the kingdom of God and how Jesus taught us to pray. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Just after the greatest sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes into another style of teaching. It was another form of, of informing his disciples on how to do something. And he has an entire teaching on prayer. This is so powerful. And we're going to take each one of these lines uh, over the next few weeks. And we're going to kind of dissect them and see what the intention was. But he sets it up first in verse 5. He says, when you pray. So there is an assumption on Jesus' part that his disciples, or the followers of Christ, are going to pray. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you do it, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So in other words, if our prayer life is only to be seen and heard by others, you already have the reward you want. You have gotten the pat on the back. You have the affirmation from man. If that's all you want, Jesus said, that's what you can have. But there is something greater, a spiritual endowment of power that can come. Let's read on. It says, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father. Everybody say, father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father, everybody say Father, knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. So in our praying, Jesus is anticipating we're going to pray. We are commanded to pray, we are instructed to pray, we are expected to pray, and now he is going to teach us how to pray. This is called the Lord's Prayer in most uh, sections of Scripture. It actually is not the Lord's Prayer, it's really the the disciples' prayer. So I want to refer to it as the model prayer. We're going to talk about the model prayer over these next few verses. Here it is, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. If you want a class on prayer, Jesus already has taught the class. 
Here it is. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, everybody say Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church says, Amen. So this is the model prayer. This is the instruction that Jesus said, listen, you don't have to have some long, flowery, eloquent speech. You don't have to make it religious sounding. It doesn't have to be all puffed up and lots of words. But when you pray, pray to your father. He references father multiple times in here. So when we talk about kingdom prayer, when we talk about praying like Jesus, this is the model. This is where we're going to go over the next few weeks. But the first question that I think we have to answer, because it probably has occurred to us at one time or another, I know that that I have grappled with this many times in my own life, is where is the kingdom of God? We, We see the prayer was, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where is the kingdom of God? Or really, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the answer, I believe, is this. The kingdom of God is where God reigns supreme. The kingdom of God or the, king, the kingdom of a, a domain of a king is where that king reigns supreme. Presently, that is being done by the Spirit of God. And one of those places, if we want to look at a geographic location where the kingdom of God is, one of those places is located within believers. Now, it, it, we don't live in a, a kingdom, but we as a, a westernized uh, American citizenry, we broke free from the kingdom of England, or the, the, the kingdom of Great Britain, which had colonized much of the world a couple hundred years ago and, and even before that. And so we have a hard time with a kingdom mindset because we live in a republic. A democratic republic is what we live in. And so it's tough for us really to, to grasp this. But if I talk to you about the kingdom of England, then in your mind you get a geographic location. Okay, that's across the Atlantic Ocean, and you know where that kingdom basically is. But how about the invisible kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God. What was this that Jesus was saying would come, thy will be done? What what would come from heaven to earth to to his kingdom be done? So it is within believers. Let me show it to you in Luke 17, 21. It says, for indeed, the kingdom of God, Jesus said this, is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, there are three popular uh, explanations to this verse because it's, it's like, okay, really? The kingdom of God is in me? One, one of the popular explanations is that the kingdom of God lives on the inside of the people who have made Jesus supreme Lord of their life. I believe that that has a very real application. Another application would be that for those who make the right choices to accept Jesus as the king of their life or to the, has domain over uh, rulership over the domain of their life, then the kingdom of God is with them. But there is a third and I think even uh, more powerful way to understand this, and that is that the kingdom of God is in the midst. It says when the kingdom of God is within you, it also is translated in the presence or in the midst of you. And so when the person and the presence of Jesus is actualized, is real, that's where the kingdom of God is. Jesus is in the kingdom of God and Jesus is 
the kingdom of God. When he is present, the kingdom of God is present. So when he is not far from your lips, when you're declaring the name of Jesus, when you're doing something in his name, you are bringing the kingdom of God to bear in and around your world. The kingdom of God is present right there. Every miracle that Jesus performed was a demonstration of heaven invading earth. Every time that he would look at someone who was lame and say to walk, that was a miracle. Heaven had invaded earth. When at, at the wedding of Cana, at his very first miracle, uh, it says that the water was turned into wine. It was a festive celebration. They had run out of wine, and Jesus commanded them, go and take and fill those pots and, and uh, give it to them. And so the water turned into wine. It was a manifestation of the joyfulness and the gladness of the kingdom having come. It was a festive celebration. We should not be sad, sullen people in the kingdom of God. We should be joyous and ready for all that God has for us to do and his will to be going forward in the world. And so the kingdom of God is when we see Jesus bringing his presence through his people to the entire world. When we say this first appeal, our Father who art in heaven, our Father in heaven, this is the, I want to say, not just the beginning point, but this is the high point of this entire prayer. Theologian Wright says it like this, in a sense, the first words of the Lord's prayer represent the goal of which we are all working rather than the starting point. Think about it like this. Our Father, the declaration of God being Father to us, as we get into this model prayer, is the high sentinel. It is the marking point of everything we're trying to achieve in prayer. It is to identify and to relate with God as our loving Heavenly Father that we are close to him and he is close to us. Now, when I read the Lord's Prayer, I kind of work through it When I read this model prayer, I kind of work through all the pieces of it. There's a prayer for provision, give us our daily bread. There's a prayer of forgiveness, forgive my debts as I have forgiven others. There's a prayer of release when we forgive others and to keep us from evil. So I kind of work through this prayer almost like it's a a do point A and then do point B and then do point C. But really, we need to retrain our minds to think. It's not a matter of getting through the prayer, but it is realizing the power in the very first sentence, which is, God is our Father. When we recognize that God is our Father, then we start to pray this prayer in a whole different light. We start to pray this prayer with a whole different anticipation and an expectation of what God wants for us right now in the here and the now. This is the boldness to say that this means that if Jesus called God Father and we are children of God, then Jesus was like our older brother going before us, modeling what it would look like, and we're looking up to him, and we're saying, we get to be called by the same name as our bigger brother. We get to be called the children of God. Wow. We have the same authority, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in me and dwells in you, and so we have this privilege to call God our Father. And this is not a totally foreign concept to the the original hearers here. When Jesus' disciples would have heard this, there would have been a, a mindset that they already had about kingdom, about what God's kingdom coming to earth. Now, you know that first century Jews were oppressed by the Roman government. You know that they were uh, very much in the political throes of an anti-Christian, anti-God government. They were very much oppressed by the world around them that thought that they were so different that they needed to be persecuted. Does that sound familiar to anybody today? 
We, we think that we live in such a different time that has ever been in the world, and we really don't. The first century was very, very similar to the century we're going through right now. But this was not a foreign concept to them, this, this idea of God as Father. It was embedded all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. But really, it had two aspects. The first aspect we can find in Exodus 4 and 22, where uh, God is, is speaking to, to Moses and to the people of Israel. He's saying, therefore, you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. If someone is the son, then it's speaking of the father. And so this was the idea that these slaves in Egypt were going to be set free because their father had declared it, because their daddy had said, you're not going to be a slave forever. That was the first mindset when Jesus' disciples heard this Lord's prayer. They said, you mean there is a freedom coming for us? You mean there is a time when we will break off the tyranny of these Roman invaders and we will have freedom? And they thought it was going to be done with military means. They thought it was going to be done with, with political insight. But Jesus didn't come to set up that kind of visible earthly kingdom, did he? This was the mindset that the slaves can be set free. The second one is in 2 Samuel seven fourteen. It says, I'll be his father and he shall be my son. This is in reference to David and the line, the Messiah. So they had these two mindsets. First of all, that we are slaves and we are going to be set free. And number two, that our Messiah is going to be king. So when we make the appeal, our father in heaven, what we're saying right here and right now is that spiritually we have been bound by sin and our father has declared us to be free by his son. And because of that, the reign of the Messiah is now reigning in my life and in yours. We have this freedom through our great father, through God, our father. But then the question has to be asked, how do we pray kingdom prayers? How do we pray kingdom prayers? In a relationship of an apprentice and a master, there's a relationship between the trainee doing what it is that the master is doing, almost looking over their shoulder. Uh, we don't really have a lot of apprenticeships uh, in our country like we may have had 100 years ago. People go to school and they learn through textbook or they learn through online. But uh, in, in other days, there would have been this, this relationship of someone learning a new skill or new craft would come up under a master. They'd come up under someone to be discipled, kind of like what Jesus called his 12 to do is for three and a half years, the 12 disciples walked with Jesus and whatever they saw him doing, that's what they would do. And they would do it by mimicking or they would do it by, by just doing what he did. And it's okay for a season and a time to just see what someone does and to mimic that or to do it. But what happens is eventually the trainee has the training wheels taken off and they have to go on the job site and they have to do it for themselves. Where do they hearken back to? What do they learn from or how do they, they get past that craft once they have seen the master do it? This would have been what a son was expected by his father. In first century uh, terms and in really other, other eras, uh, the business of the family would be passed on to the son. It was expected that the son or the children in that family would just perpetuate that family business and keep it going for time and time again. And we see that this is exactly what Jesus did in his earthly ministry, is that the son, Jesus, learned obedience to the father. And he said, I only do what I see my father doing, and I only say what I hear my father saying. Matthew 26. This is the application of kingdom prayer. This is how kingdom prayer comes right down to you and to me today. 
Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, I've taught you a lot about prayer, but now sit here and I'm going to go over there and pray. Verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be very sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Verse 39, here it is. Then he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, everybody say Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Let this cup pass. In Jesus' deepest, darkest time, In the moment where he needed his friends the most, they fell asleep on him. In the time that he was questioning the will of his father the most, there were no seemingly good answers to the other side of his request. And Jesus, as our elder brother, Jesus as the son of God, had apprenticed under the father long enough that he finally surrendered and he showed us what we must do in our times of despair, is that as sons and daughters of God, we base our praying on this prayer of Jesus. As children who have inherited the family business to be ambassadors for God, to be image bearers of him, to reflect his light, we have been given this great prayer. And when we bring Jesus' name, his authority, when we bring his presence and power to bear through our lives, through what we say and what we do, we are bringing heaven to earth. Even just for a moment, even just for a glimpse, we're bringing heaven to earth. But this, what Jesus prayed in the garden, is not the model prayer. What Jesus prayed in the garden here, if it could pass me, if it would be your will to do something else, then I want that, but if not, I'll take whatever your will is. That is not the model prayer. The model prayer is our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are many areas where we know the will of God. We know the revealed will of God. That he does not want brokenness for this world, but he wants healing. He wants completeness. He wants wholeness. And so we can bring his will to bear every single time we call upon our Father in a time of need. We know that God does not want children abused or families going hungry. We know that God does not want people to be in a, in a place where they don't have enough clothes, clothing or they don't have enough shelter. We know that there are areas that you and I can do something about to bring the, the kingdom of God to bear. I look around this room this morning and I, I think of some of the, the great outreaches that we have, have done. And I look back here at uh, Debbie Adams and I think about the shoeshine ministry. She has a burden on her heart that no child would go without socks and shoes. And many of you have contributed over the years socks and shoes. And I can't even tell you how many thousands of pairs of socks and shoes that that ministry has given out over the years because she determined at one time God wants kids to have shoes and adults. And so every time that this congregation helps her in doing her ministry and she on the other end is giving shoes or or socks to a child, you know what she's doing? She's bringing the kingdom come. 
She's letting heaven invade earth, even just for a moment. You say, really, can someone getting shoes be heaven coming to earth? When you don't have any shoes and you get some shoes, that feels like a little bit of skipping on streets of gold, amen? That feels like heaven to you. Every time you do something in his name, you are bringing heaven to come. You know, Jesus even said that you will not in any way lose your reward if you just simply offer a drink of water to someone who needs a drink of water. You mean, pastor, that I can bring heaven to earth by giving someone just a simple drink of water? Yes, it is a sign of hospitality. By simply opening the door for someone who may not have the ability to get through the door very easily themselves, you are bringing for just a glimmer and just a moment that glory divine. You are bringing heaven to earth. And if we always are praying this model prayer that God's kingdom would come, then we will be more conscious of the fact that we have as agents of God an opportunity to participate and be co-heirs with Christ and we can help every single day bring his kingdom to bear in the here and now. Momentarily, just for a second, we can bring the kingdom of God. Can I tell you one of the, the simplest ways to bring heaven to earth is through a smile on your face. Smiles are contagious. You don't believe me? Just try it. Go up to the most gripey, sour-looking, mean-faced person you can this week and just, just don't even say nothing. Just smile. Just look at them and smile. And, it, and you know, if you have a mask on, just pull your mask down and smile. Don't cough on them or breathe on them or anything, but just smile. Look them in the eye. Don't say a word. Just smile. And if they, if they don't crack a smile, just keep on smiling. And they're finally going to say, get out of my, what are you looking at me for? What are you doing? you will cause some kind of reaction if you will simply smile. But here's what I know about smiles is they're contagious. When you smile, people smile back. When you wave, normally the the response is people wave back. What are we doing in the here and now that doesn't have to cost us monetarily but may take a little bit of our time to bring heaven to earth? Because here's what I want to tell you in closing is that you and I, as children of God, Bringing heaven to earth is not, hear me, is not a salvation issue. You can be born again on your way to heaven and never break through and bring any kind of heaven to this earth. You never have to pray this model prayer. But you'll be a whole lot happier if you do. And you can block the kingdom of God issuing forth if you allow your flesh through fear and through carnality to dominate your actions. Because when we pursue political ends to spiritual matters, and and listen, we are... 30 days or less away from election. We cannot get into this mindset that somehow a political fix is going to provide all the spiritual means we need for this nation. It's a piece of it. But we cannot allow ourselves to be thinking that if we seek revenge, retaliation, if we harbor unforgiveness, any of these things, they will block the flow of the kingdom in our lives. So here's what I want to encourage you to do over the next few weeks. As they get ready to sing, I want you to unfetter and unburden yourself from anything that would block the flow of God in your life, anything that would block the kingdom from coming in your life. It is so simple to do, and here's the way you do it. You just say, God, I give to you everything that is hindering me from walking in your kingdom. Turn it over to him. Give it to God today. It's an easy prayer. It's a prayer of release. 
When we release unto God those things which are holding us back, those things which are blocking us from bringing his kingdom come, then there is going to be a joy unspeakable and full of glory. You are not going to be able to be held back because you know that God has been the one to set you free. Our Father is the one who wants us redeemed. He is bringing redemption to the whole earth. And you know what? He wants to use you and he wants to use me to do it. Will you be God's agent today? Will you participate in what the Father wants in this world? Will you open your eyes and open your heart to him? You can do it today. I'm gonna ask you to stand. We're gonna sing. We're gonna rejoice. We're gonna celebrate what God has done to us. And we are going to stand as children of the most high God saying, our Father, do something great because we know you wanna do it. Let's worship. Thank you for joining us today. I just can't wait for next week. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Thank you for sharing on social media and please subscribe. And if this message has impacted you in any way, would you just write a rating or review for us so we can reach even more people with this message? Your generosity really does make a difference. So to give, please go to newfc.org and click on the giving tab or click on the link in the video description. We love you. We'll see you real soon.